0: This is Cheat Code 834, How to Find Scholarships. Welcome to Declassified College, a podcast where we give you all the cheat codes needed to pass this level in your life. Each week, we share three short episodes filled with clips of our interviews with students from across the United States and occasionally an interview with an industry expert to answer all of your questions about attending university. College can be what sets you up for a prosperous career, or it can be the four years that when you look back on it, you wish that you did it different. We're here to make sure that you have all the information so that by the time you walk across that stage... You're ready for the so-called real world that the Boomers love to talk about. My name is Justin Wynn, and it's about time we declassified college. So, I have a confession to make. I don't really know much when it comes to scholarships, which is probably why I didn't get very many when I was still in college. So, that's why I wanted to bring on Kiara Jones to the podcast. She's had two degrees, and she ended up with zero student loan debt, and that's because she had scholarships, grants, and student loan forgiveness, all of these things which I had no idea about, and I got to learn a whole bunch about scholarships with our conversation. Kiara is the CEO of Free Money Maven, and basically what Free Money Maven does is they help students escape the shackles of student loan debt. It's an amazing service, and you should definitely check it out if you have any time or if student debt is a concern for you. Kiara and I talked about a bunch of free services that you guys can use to find more scholarships, apply to scholarships very quickly and easily, as well as a whole bunch of websites that you can go to for more information about student loan forgiveness, student debt, Anything like that. If you're someone who scholarships and student loans are a thing and are part of your college journey, this is definitely an episode that you need to be paying attention to. We cover a bunch, and there's a reason that Kiara Jones is an expert when it comes to scholarships and student loan forgiveness. This episode is no joke, and you definitely need to stay tuned to the end to learn about everything that you'll need to make sure you're getting all of that free money when it comes to college. So with that, let's jump into the episode. Hey, Kiara, how's it going?
1: Great, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm super excited for this podcast. Like I never really got scholarships growing up, um, but my younger brother and my younger cousins did. And I never really understood why they got it. But I didn't, even though I tended to have like higher grades and I was more involved in school and sports and everything like that. So this is going to be a really interesting episode for me. Um, But before we get started and diving deep into the world of student debt and scholarships and everything like that, uh, how about you give the audience a little bit of a background of like who you are, what you do, and everything that you're up to right now.
1: My name is Kiara Jones, and I am the CEO and lead maven at Free Money Maven. It all happened by chance. I was in school and thought that I had a 529 plan. However, when I got there, I realized things had gone horribly wrong and the money I thought I had, I did not. And from there, that's how I got into seeking scholarships, grants, fellowships, and eventually a student loan pay down of $30,000. So I've lived all of this firsthand. It has allowed me to become a student loan forgiveness and scholarship expert. And I strive to teach students uh, to understand that there is money out there. You don't have to be an athlete. You don't even have to be an A student at times to get this money. There's over $46 billion in scholarships each year. And I encourage as many people as possible to try to seek out that sort of funding when it comes to college.
0: Okay. You just said $46 billion are available in scholarships. That just seems way too high for me, but that's that's a fact.
1: Yes, that comes from debt.org. Um, and it actually states that estimated $46 billion in grants and scholarship money is awarded by the U.S. Department of Education and the nation's colleges and universities.
0: So is that including private scholarships as well?
1: I believe so, because it says the colleges and universities. Um, when it comes to private scholarships, I think a lot of people also need to understand that organizations and nonprofits have scholarships. And we'll talk about that a little later. But when you're seeking scholarships, there's so many vectors that I don't think a lot of people think of when it comes to where to find this money.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I've heard stories of like a a being tall scholarship a being short scholarship. So I'm really interested to dive into that a little later. But before we get into any of that, let's talk about student debt. So I think right now we're at about $1.5 trillion of student loan debt. And I know, especially for students who are just getting started in college, they might be 17, 18, 19 years old, They might not necessarily understand what a loan is, what debt is. So could you quickly go over kind of those key terms as we start to use them a little bit more in our conversation?
1: Yes. When you go to college or university, It costs money. And if your parents have not set aside money, if you have not set aside money or a relative, then you're going to have to pay for that either through scholarships, student loans or through some other sort of private loan. And what happens is the school is going to send you a bill um, and you should first complete the FAFSA. Believe it or, or not, it's a lot of people who do not complete the FAFSA. Uh, once you complete that, that'll make you eligible for things known as direct subsidized loans and direct unsubsidized loans. And these loans help you to pay your tuition. Uh, the key difference to understand here is that a subsidized loan will not, uh, you will not have to pay interest on it while you're in school, but with an unsubsidized loan, you will. And the amount for the unsubsidized uh, loan actually depends on the school and how much they will allow you to take. So at times, you can end up having a gap between the money that you currently have in loans and how much you still owe the school. And that's when sometimes you'll have to seek out a private lender for another loan as well. And that's how people get into student loan debt.
0: Okay. And do you know what the average uh, like student debt is per graduate?
1: Yeah, so this number changes a lot. I just kind of stick to the 2017 statistic because that's the one that is still around there. Um, The average class in 2017 owed $28,650. When I'm talking to students who are in middle school and high school, I compare that to things that they use every day. And so my number one comparison is that's six thousand seven hundred and forty one Starbucks chai tea lattes. That's a lot of lattes,
0: <laughs> oh my God, my girlfriend would <laughs> love those lattes right now, um but yeah, it's insane, and I feel like that number can be even like that, that number can be way higher for a lot of people like I have friends who are a hundred k plus in debt. Um, I've got friends that are 50K plus, and I've always thought that the average number that the government puts out seems a little bit low compared to some of the people that I've talked about, but I think that also considers a lot of the students that graduate with zero debt too, um, yes. w- which I think weighs it down a lot.
1: Well, get this. So I just looked at a report that came out by Sally Mae, and it says how Americans pay for college. And actually in there, they break out a few statistics, which I didn't know that this is how Americans pay for college because I didn't pay for it this way. But it <laughs> says that 14% is borrowing, uh, student borrowing, and then 10% is parent borrowing. 34% is based on your parent income and savings. 13% is based on student income and savings savings. 2% it's based on relatives and friends, and 28% grants and scholarships. I don't know about the average person, but my parents didn't have their 34%. I didn't have the 13%. So this I think can be skewed dependent upon your household.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I also think too, it depends on what school you choose to go to as well. Like I... For my personal experience, like my parents helped me pay throughout um, all of my university, So I'm completely grateful for that. But I also went to the University of Central Florida where school was only 6500 a year. Um, so compared to a lot of the tuitions that I've seen, like even I'm originally from Connecticut and seeing how much UConn costs for just in-state tuition compared to how much UCF costs me for in-state tuition, I think a lot of it too depends on which school you end up choosing especially if you go private.
1: Yes. And I've actually been reading a lot of literature that says that you can negotiate or you can try to negotiate with the school if you've gotten accepted into multiple places and just say, this school is giving me this amount of funding. I really want to go here, but I need more in financial aid or whatever scholarships you can give me. I don't know anyone who's tried that, but it's always worth it to see if that could be possible
0: that's funny so now like <laughs> applying to job or applying to college is like applying to jobs and now you have to like negotiate your terms and and your benefits and everything like that that's I mean I guess that's good because then it can kind of prepare you for real life a step earlier but that's funny
1: yes there's also a big trend now of income sharing agreement schools when you go to school with the thought of not having to pay while you're in school but having to pay once you graduate and have a job. I don't know how I feel about these programs just yet. Obviously, I prefer to go the scholarship route in the traditional four year, but that is an option.
0: Yeah, the income sharing has been interesting for me to dive a little bit deeper into too. I think like Mission U does it and it's like it's tuition free for the two years or whatever that you're in their program. And then it's like 15 or 25% once you're making 50K or, or 100K um, in your job. So it, it makes sense, but it'd be interesting to see how that plays out over like a 5, 10, 15 year span compared to a traditional university.
1: I agree. And that Student Loan Hero even says that there's 71 colleges out there with no student loan policies. And I do know of a few colleges who had the policies and they had to take it back um, because it just wasn't sustainable. But if there's 71 colleges out there like that. That's also a good thing to look into.
0: When you say no student loan policy, that means that they don't take any students that have to pay with student loans?
1: Yes. Yeah, so there's one college out there. I believe it's pronounced Herberford. Um, before they used to have, I guess, funding through their board and they would disperse that to their students. However, I think that became unsustainable for them and they had to change their model.
0: Oh, Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So we've covered debt. We've covered loans a little bit. Let's talk about what everyone wants to hear. How do we get that free money? Um, I think One of the biggest misconceptions that I learned a little bit too late in my college experience is that you can get scholarships throughout college. Like you don't have to just get all your scholarships your freshman year. Um, That's what I initially thought. So like after I graduated high school and I got a little bit of scholarship money for my high school and then that ran out, I didn't know that I could get more scholarships um, so how does that work in terms of if I'm already in college and I'm looking to get more scholarships or looking to get a scholarship?
1: So I do tell students to try to seek full scholarship through early preparation, middle and high school. But if you have not had the opportunity to get a full scholarship, which lots of people do not, you can get partial scholarships through your college and university, and it doesn't have to be in your first year. You can continuously speak with your financial aid office each year. Um, schedule meetings with your department chair because sometimes they have funding through different programs and fellowships. There are different programs in the schools at times that offer $1,000 to $500. And so just looking and being vigilant of what's going on within your school and that ecosystem. Then outside of that, I tell people to seek funding through websites such as CAPEX, C-A-P-P-E-X, That website was one of my favorite sites to use for seeking scholarships when I was in school. It's very helpful. Um, They have portals to tell you how popular the scholarships are and how difficult they are to write. In addition, they can provide different scholarships, whether you're an athlete. They have a variety of tools in there. Um, Google is also a great tool and using combination words in Google. Uh, there are sites such as Unigo, and then there are other popular sites such as Scali and Fastweb. But I personally believe that you don't have to pay when it comes to seeking out um, additional partial scholarships.
0: Okay, so let's let's go over um, the first step that you talked about with the college and universities and scholarships. Sorry, second step, um, because a lot of our audience are going to be like in college or they're just getting like started their freshman year. When you are talking about speaking with the financial aid office, what does that mean? Like, who are we going out to, to talk to?
1: Honestly, it can be anyone in the financial aid office. It depends on how it's structured. Um, Normally when I was in school, you had like a point of contact within the office or someone, who was assigned to you in bigger schools, it may not be the case, but you go into the office and you state some of your concerns in regards to being able to pay for college with the current uh, financial aid that's being offered. Ask them if they know of any additional resources or scholarships, and if they don't know, ask them if there's someone else that they could point you in the direction to so you can continue to discuss this further. I kind of noticed that being in there often started to increase the amount of money I received every year because I think they understood that I needed additional funding in order to stay at the school.
0: Okay. Um and what sort of questions should students be asking when they're in the financial aid office?
1: Um I would ask if there's question uh if there's scholarships around the major or minor based on ethnicity Things of that nature, um, again, ask for points of contact for the scholarship department if there is one within the school so you can talk to someone else a little bit more closely and just ask them about overall, an un- overall understanding of how your financial aid is broken down and if there are any expenses that you can deduct or reduce within financial aid. For example, I had health insurance other my, under my mother, so I did not need to use the school's plan. And so that was like a thousand dollars off of my bill right there,
0: okay, that's interesting. So when it comes to meeting with a financial aid office like t- if you could go from minute by minute, so to say what what does that process seem to look like from your perspective of when you were in college?
1: well, they <laughs> it's interesting. Because they have to spread out this money to all the students. And so at times I felt like they didn't want me in there and they got tired of seeing (laughs) me. But that's actually how this entire process is going to be. If you're seeking scholarships, if you're seeking student loan forgiveness, there has to be a certain amount of resilience and just not accepting no sometimes if you want to get this debt removed um, and if you don't want to have to pay for it. It's just understanding that that's part of the process.
0: Yeah, like they're not going to just give you this money, right?
1: Exactly. And there's something else that I want to know. Some states when you get an outside scholarship, the school will actually deduct from the funding that they have given you. And so it can seem like you're seeking scholarships and you're not getting rewarded for it. If that is the case, understand that ahead of time how your school and how your state um has laws in regards to whether your funding can get deducted. In the state of Maryland, where I'm based, you can't do that. There was a law that was passed that the schools actually have to allow that additional funding to come in. And when that occurs, you can get a refund check. Hmm. But just know, speak with your accountant in regards to the tax implications and how you should file in regards to any additional money that you get from scholarships.
0: So if I'm understanding this correctly, let's say I'm attending the University of Central Florida and let's say Florida doesn't have a law where universities can't like subtract other scholarship winnings from my University of Central Florida scholarship. Let's say I have a $2,000 scholarship to UCF that they've given me and I win a $2,000 scholarship from the Free Money Maven company. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that mean I have a total scholarship of four thousand, or does that mean I just have a scholarship of two thousand?
1: Is this the school that is going to absorb the money, or a school that's going to allow you to have multiple awards?
0: Um, the one that's going to absorb the money. Like, there's no laws against that.
1: Yeah. So they'll take away that two thousand that they gave you, and then you'll just have the two thousand that you earned from the outside source. The way to kind of defeat that is you win a bunch of scholarships, they take away the funding that they've given you from the school, and then you can still have a a refund check, but it would just be based on outside scholarships. Because traditionally, I have not seen an outside organization take their money back once they have given it to the school.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that that was a thing. I just thought if you won scholarships that they just kind of stacked.
1: No, I actually had that happen to me a few times in Maryland before they passed the law. And one of the organizations that helped to get that law passed, which is Central Scholarship, is actually where I won that $30,000 student loan pay down.
0: Wow. Okay. The more you know, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So on to the next one, the the outside. That's a good transition to like outside source scholarships. Um, you started to talk about CapEx. What What is CapEx? How does it, like, where can people find it? What's the point of it? Like, Give us a brief run through of exactly what Capex is.
1: So Capex, I used to use it for scholarship searches. It has become this huge database where if you're looking to get into schools, they can connect you with school counselors. Um, they can also they have a huge database in regards to scholarships. You do have to fill out an application, and it can take about twenty minutes or more. But I tell people. 20 minutes to win thousands of dollars is more than what we make in traditional jobs. So it's definitely worth the money to sit down and do it. Um, And mainly when you go in to sign up to look at their scholarships, they provide you with amounts, when the scholarships are due, the difficulty of writing the scholarship, and how many people are applying for it. And that in itself is very, very useful.
0: Oh, so they give you like kind of statistics of like kind of how popular the scholarship is, how not popular it is. Um, So obviously, you would probably aim towards the not popular because it would probably be you have less competition.
1: That's a good question. It really depends on the person. So what I created when I was in college was my secret sauce formula. I realized that I was really good at getting scholarships that were difficult, that were in between kind of like hard in regards to writing a lot, slash medium. Because I realized that a lot of times if it's a hard scholarship, not many people are going to go after it or put in as much effort as they should. And that alone allowed me to win the majority of the time. And that was my strategy. But it really depends on your overall portfolio, um, your GPA, the activities that you've done. And then from there, you can find a good strategy for yourself.
0: Okay, so what type of person typically wins those sort of high value scholarships? Like, is it the person with a great story? Is it just a person with the 4.0? Is it the person that started a company while they're in college? Like, how can you best set yourself up in terms of probably, I'm assuming most of these require like an essay um, to win that scholarship?
1: Yes, I believe that the story has a really large uh, factor into whether you get the scholarship or not. Your story is going to tell the organization why you deserve to win and what your future is look like is going to look like because the organization is essentially investing their money in you and they have to make sure it's a good investment.
0: Okay. So I guess the best way to look at it is like you're applying for a job, essentially. Like the scholarship is like a stipend for a job and you need to show them why they should invest in you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you have an example of a story that you've used in the past to win a scholarship?
1: Yes. I actually used the reason why I needed to be looking for scholarships in the first place. I thought that I had a 529 plan and that I had a scholarship fund. And when I realized I didn't, I was in a really bad place. I didn't have funding my dad was disabled. I, my friends would go out to eat and I would eat soup. And so I talked to them about my hardships and how I was trying to get a degree in cybersecurity so I could help my family and things of that nature. So really being true to your story and telling people what you have going on, but how you're persevering, if it's a, a story of struggle, um, can be beneficial to you. But it doesn't have to be about struggle. It could be about something very successful that you have going on in your life.
0: Okay. I love that. So one thing that I always kind of went in my head while going through applying for scholarships when I was in like high school was I never felt that the ROI was there. But then obviously now, since I've kind of moved into the real world and I started to realize how much money $500 is because people will look at the $250 scholarship, the $500 scholarship and be like, why would I want to win that? That doesn't even put a dent, my uh, tuition costs. But when you really break it down, let's say minimum wage, average minimum wage is probably like $10 around the US. You would have to work 50 hours to get that $500. And I don't think people, a lot of people realize that. Um, do you have any other kind of topics that you like to kind of talk about in terms of finding the ROI of applying to a scholarship to the students that might say, oh, it's not worth it. Like, I'm never going to win it. $500 isn't going to make a dent towards my $50,000 tuition. Like, what's your hit back to that?
1: I actually give them the same example of minimum minimum wage because a lot of the students that I talk to are either in high school or in college, and they're getting something around that amount. And I tell them, if you put in a solid 20 minutes to create the profile and maybe every night you put in 30 minutes you can get upwards of ten thousand between ten to fifty thousand dollars if you really put your heart in, into this and you're not going to get that same return from working your traditional nine to fives and it could be very lucrative um, in regards to whether you get the scholarship refund or not it can actually kind of change your trage- your wealth trajectory.
0: Yeah, definitely, 100%. And do you have a sort of a message to the students out there that might say, oh, I don't care about my student loans. Um, I'm going to get a high paying job once I graduate and the loans will be no worry for me.
1: Yes, I think a lot of people think that, Um, but when you get out of school, you'll realize there are more expenses than what you thought. There's bills you have to pay and taxes that come out of your money. There's so many expenses that if you could just knock that out beforehand, you really would be changing your life. Again, I'm going to talk about the trajectory of your wealth. Um, By getting rid of those thousands of dollars in the future, you could be changing your wealth trajectory by thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars later on in your life. Because that money that you're not able to use for investments or things of that nature is essentially stopping you from meeting some of your goals early on in life.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And like, I'll give the example of the whole. Oh, I am going to be making money um, once I graduate. Like, that's a great thought to have, but reality is, I think the average salary coming out of college is somewhere between like forty thousand, forty five thousand, um, and that's not a- accounting for taxes. Like, I have a friend; he's making about forty. Um, just graduated, and he's got student loans that he's paying about twelve hundred dollars a month for for the for the next 20 years and like when i tell people that example they're like 1200 dollars doesn't seem like a lot but when you think about it in terms of what that can get you postgraduate like that's a mortgage on a house that's a nice apartment that's a car that's your rent that's your food etc um and i don't think a lot of students realize the effect of um of how much money student loans can actually take away from you for an extended period amount of time. Cause let's just do like 40,000 divided by 12. It's about like $3,300 or something like that. So if you're taking $1,200 away from that, you're effectively taking a third away of your take-home income before taking away taxes. And it's just crazy to me. Um, And that's something that I never realized in college.
1: Exactly. And it impacts something called your debt to income ratio. So if you are looking to get a home or a loan, they're going to be looking into that debt to income ratio. And that's one of the reasons why home ownership has been really impacted by the student loan debt crisis. Um, but one thing I do want to note is that because I did a lot of things to try to make myself eligible for scholarships, I inadvertently made myself very likely to have an increased salary. So much so when I graduated, uh, because I kind of did my undergrad and grad right uh, back to back, I ended up leaving school with 90K plus in salary. So these steps really have an overall impact to your life and not just scholarships.
0: Yeah, I feel like it kind of like builds on top of each other because if you're you're applying and getting scholarships, that probably means you're an outgoing, really successful person in some way, shape, or form, which then will lead to a very prosperous job, hopefully, at the end of it once you graduate. So that that totally makes sense. And that trajectory makes a ton of sense to me. But let's go back into the scholarship seeking side of things. Um, And another thing that you mentioned is Google. And I feel like that's a lot of people's go-to place. But most people will probably just search like Scholarship for the University of Central Florida or scholarship, like how to apply to scholarships. What do people, what should people Google on Google?
1: There are so many things that you can look for in Google. I love doing combinations of these things, but you should focus in on your major and minor, your location, whether that's your state, your county, your city, your ethnicity, your gender, religion. Your school and departmental scholarships, fellowships, you should also seek um, for-profit organizational scholarships that they have out there and nonprofits as well. And you would want to use combinations of these things when searching in Google to try to increase your likelihood of finding scholarships that may or may not be in one of the databases that I mentioned, such as CAPIT.
0: Definitely. Okay. So I'm looking at the little PowerPoint that you sent over, which is amazing, by the way, and it's definitely keeping us on track with everything. Um, you've got step four, which is using your, your time effectively. What was sort of your formula of how you would set up applying the scholarships and making sure that you made the most out of your time?
1: Yes. When I realized that the difficult scholarships were the ones that worked for me, the $10,000 plus scholarships, I started to create a template uh, because once you start writing these essays, you can use them over again and you just tweak things here and there. And so that's what I was able to do. And so it actually didn't take that much time to fill out these applications because traditionally you'll need like a a reference letter. You'll get one of those and and be fine. You don't need multiple if it kind of says something similar. Um, And then you just use what you've already used previously. And apply. And that's step five. Just apply, 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 and ask yourself, why not?
0: So how many scholarships would you say you applied to over the course of your college career to be able to get all the scholarships that you got?
1: I was pretty strategic in the scholarships that I went after and the ones that I thought I would be likely to win. And I won quite a few. Um, So I would say there were probably maybe five or six out of the ones I applied for that I didn't win. But in total, I probably applied for maybe like 15 scholarships. And that doesn't sound like that many, um, but I was able to win so much funding for for the ones that I did apply for that I didn't need to seek more than 15
0: Yeah. And you were going for the harder ones too, that took a little bit more time that less people were applying to. So it wasn't like you were applying to the $150 scholarship or the $250 scholarships. These were like pretty meaningful value scholarships. Like I think you mentioned earlier, like a $10,000 one. Um, So that, I mean, if you won 15 $10,000 ones, you would be balling. So uh, exactly, that totally makes sense.
1: And let's not forget that there are scholarships these days where it takes two minutes to apply and you can win $50,000. And so Scali, they have really been on a campaign this past year to assist with the student loan debt crisis. And I've seen them come out with several scholarships, one of which was a $50,000 scholarship or student loan pay down. And it took less than two minutes to apply. So there are other vectors out there for getting high amounts of funding and maybe not spending as much time.
0: I love that. That's amazing. Um, I really hope that these things are continuing to kind of help the student debt problem because I've seen it with a lot of my friends who have student debt of how it really impacts the beginning years of your life. You can't do the thing that you actually want to really invest into the ways that you want to and set yourself up correctly um, both financially and like learning wise, educational wise for, for kind of like the rest of your life. Um, but okay. That moves us to this next approach that you have, which is kind of the hybrid approach. And I I know we've talked about a good majority of these. I kind of really want to focus on the federal and state tax credit because I don't think a lot of students look to, um, go for these? Could you briefly explain what a federal and state tax credit is? Obviously, it, it's going to vary depending on where you, you're listening to to this, uh, but where can they like w- talk about what it is in general?
1: Okay. I definitely want to dive into that. But before we get there, I want to explain to people the hybrid approach, just kind of a recap of what we discussed which is you wanna seek full scholarship. If you can't do that, seek partial scholarships, fellowships and grants. Then we're gonna talk about this federal tax credit, state tax credit approach um, from their student loan forgiveness programs. A lot of people leave off that part and then seeking employer repayment assistance. That's all a part of this hybrid approach. So let's do a deep dive into the tax credits. From a federal perspective, there's the American Opportunity Tax Credit, it's also known as AOTC. That's for your undergraduate years. It's a tax credit you could use then. Then there's the Lifetime Learning Credit, which you can use whether it's undergraduate or graduate, as long as you're still actively pursuing your studies. And then there's ta- federal tax deductions that you could use for the interest payments, as well as pot- uh, potentially for tuition and fees. From a state tax credit perspective, I'm going to use Maryland because, again, that's where I'm based. The state of Maryland has a Maryland Student Loan Debt Relief Tax Credit, which can provide, um, I think it's between 5000 Yeah, five thousand for um, your student loans as a credit that you'll get back on your taxes. And I've had quite a few of my clients win that this year. Um, They were given out around 1,000 this year, but that's better than nothing. Um, The state of Maine also has a student loan payment um, deduction that they do, um, but it just depends on your state. And you can find more information on these state programs at student loan hero and there's also a website that I like to use it's a really good website that is called T-I-S L A.
0: Okay. T-I-S-L-A. And then the other one was Student Hero. Yes. Okay. Awesome. And then for the federal tax credits and federal deductions, where can they find more information about that?
1: On my Instagram page, free underscore money underscore Maven, I have a lot of this information as well as other resources you can use. But you could just Google uh, federal tax credits and more than likely it'll pop up. They're very common.
0: Okay. Um, all right. So the next topic that we're going to cover is student loan forgiveness. Um, what is student loan forgiveness? It seems very forgiving, right? <laughs> but it... Uh, we, I feel like it's not really talked about in school. Like I never heard about it until going like deeper into personal finances myself. And I feel like a lot of people don't really search up personal finances. I just happen to be a finance major. So I've been really intrigued about money my whole life. Uh, but what is student loan forgiveness?
1: Student loan forgiveness is receiving some sort of payment or forgiveness of the actual loan either from the federal government, your state, a nonprofit or a for-profit organization. And that's essentially money that you do not have to pay on your loans that someone else is going to cover for you.
0: So it's just like, oh, I have $50,000 in loans and then I go on to the show on True TV and I win $50,000 of student loan forgiveness. Poof, my my loans are gone.
1: Yes. One thing to know is that if you do receive some sort of student loan forgiveness, depending on who it's from, that you will have to pay um, taxes on that amount. And so speak with an accountant on that. When I won my $30,000 pay down, I was supposed to have, I think, around seventeen k in tax implications. There are also things that you can do to help kind of maneuver that. So accountants, very important.
0: <laughs> okay. So student loan forgiveness, those are taxed. They're kind of like gifts, essentially, like winning the lottery, sort of. It's still taxed. Exactly. Okay. Are in our, I forgot to ask, are scholarships taxed?
1: No, not if it's used towards your actual studies. Um, if it's used for room and board, there's potential for that to be taxed because the tax law changed. Um, so that's why I said speak with your accountant so you can make sure that what needs to get taxed is you know taxed appropriately.
0: Okay. And that brings up a unique point that I didn't know. Um, until again after i graduated that you can use scholarships for room and board uh does that is that only for on-campus scholarships or on-campus room and board sorry i know that there are some scholarships that you can use for a wide sort of variety of things from books to food etc but in terms of like room and board does it have to be on campus room and board
1: so when I was in college back in between 2010 and 2014, things were a little bit different because of the tax law back then. I was able to use the scholarships towards my complete payment towards school, and that included tuition and room and board because I lived on campus. If you live off camp- campus and it's not combined in what you pay with your school bill, then it would not count towards that. You would have to use your refund check and then just pay for that on your own, uh, but Actually, if it's part of your package, well, back then, then it could qualify. Now, I believe that they do separate what you pay for tuition versus room and board when it comes to taxable um, items for scholarships.
0: Okay, so definitely need to just talk to an accountant um, to figure out more about like how everything kind of works. Are there like specific school accountants out there, or do you just look up like CPA and just go to talk to them? And see what happens from there.
1: You should be able to just talk to a CPA. And I wouldn't think that this is something where you have to find an accountant with a specialty. Because sometimes they tend to cost more. I think you could just talk to any knowledgeable accountant who's familiar with the updates in the tax law on this.
0: Okay. And you think the ROI of spending money on a CPA is worth it? Because I know CPAs can be a little costly, especially for for the college student who might not necessarily have that much spending capital on them. you think it's worth it to get that if they're getting a decent amount of scholarship money and loan forgiveness?
1: Yes, I definitely think it's worth it because you don't want to get audited for something like this and end up having to pay thousands of dollars early on in your career. And so I think it's worth it. Uh, I went. to an accountant that my parents went to. And so it was easier for that person to give me a discount because I didn't fully have you know, a business or anything extensive for them to look at. So that's an option to use someone that a family member is using. But if not, I think some of the more expensive accountants that I've seen for personal taxes can get up to like almost $400. I still think that's more beneficial than paying thousands in dollars uh, for an audit or if the IRS comes back and says you owe them money.
0: I love it. I love it. And it's been over 40 minutes so far. It's It's been a pleasure to, to really learn a little bit more about like the scholarship world because I'm definitely not well-versed in it. Um, and it re- I truly appreciate you coming on to, to the podcast to share this knowledge with the, all the students that are listening to this. Um, I ha- I do have a few last questions, but before I ask them, Where can people find you? Where can they learn a little bit more about your company and everything that you guys are doing?
1: They can find me at freemoneymaven.com. On Instagram, I'm free underscore money underscore maven. We work with a lot of nonprofits in the community and schools. And so if you ever want me to come out and speak, just go on the website and email us.
0: Awesome. All right, so last couple questions. Let's imagine you have every single student's ears, they're listening to this podcast right now, because our podcast is just that amazing. Um, You've got one minute to tell them exactly what you would tell them about scholarships, whether it's how to apply, what a scholarship is, you can take it in any direction that you want. What would you use that minute to talk about?
1: I would tell them that there's more programs for student loan forgiveness than just the public service loan forgiveness you hear about in the news these days. There are federal programs for borrowers defensed against repayment if you feel like your school has defrauded you in any sort of way. Um, closed school discharge if your school closes while you're attending. There are state programs centered around nurses, doctors, pharmacists, teachers, things of that nature. And then nonprofits out there like scholarly Central Scholarship Bureau, Money Solver, which is um, also a nonprofit and Givling, the game app, are out there all to provide you with additional options for paying down your student loans and minimizing student loan debt.
0: That's amazing. I love that. And final question, what's a question about scholarships that you wish that I asked you?
1: I wish that you had asked about the income-based repayment plans. Um, That's also another vector of student loan forgiveness that I like to talk about. Um, If you get into one of these plans, they have their own forgiveness component. So within 20 to 25 years, if you still have any of that debt, it can be forgiven.
0: Another day, another cheat code, and you're on your way to defeating the level that we like to call college. If you've liked any of the cheat codes that we've given out, please hit that subscribe button and give us a review on iTunes. Each review helps us grow and make sure that more people learn these tips. We love to hear from you all. So make sure you check out our website, www.getchillgrindup.com and follow us on all social media platforms at Get Your Grind Up. That's G-E-T-C-H-O-G-R-I-N-D-U-P. So until next time, peace.